0: Patrick Pitch from the Carlton Footy Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel.
1: Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johansson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and normal football club. This is Nat Five from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Number 11 in the 50 Most Relevant, former Brownlow medalist, Hawthorne Hawk, Tom Mitchell. He's been one of the elite fantasy footballers we've ever seen. However, he's coming off a pretty nasty injury. And will that impact Tom or not? That is one of the big discussion points on the episode. To talk about Tom Mitchell, i got Rids back. Hello, buddy. How you going, mate? Mate, I'm good. This It's a really big one. And maybe for some people they thought, hey, he's a lock for the top 10. And look, maybe that's okay for you at the end of the day. You can build the list the way you want. But for me, I think there's plenty of exciting possibilities with Tom. And as we'll get to them a little bit later, there is some big question marks that need to be answered for us just 26 years old this midfielder is priced considerably cheaper than what we've had to pay for him over the past few years there's no 2019 data to be able to go through and that is because when that broken leg took place we did not get a chance to see him play at all in 2019 he's going to set you back just under 750k in AFL Dream Team around about 670k in AFL Fantasy and just over 630,000 in Supercoach January 10th 2019 that's the date do you remember what happened that date I do that was the date Tom Mitchell broke his leg. And it was a disappointing thing for Hawthorne, for Tom himself, obviously, but for all fantasy coaches, because, Ritz, just 12 months ago, it was a fascinating discussion and dialogue that was beginning amongst the fantasy community of can you afford to start without Tom Mitchell or not? And that injury robbed us of really seeing how coaches would go with that discussion. Yeah, it's... um. Like whilst it's
0: disappointing and stuff, those things happen obviously. But yeah. I mean Tom Mitchell was shaping as the must have captain option for the rest of his life yeah. pretty much. So but now it poses really intriguing and interesting topics, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it certainly does. And I want to get your take on some of those in a moment, but if we do look back to why everyone was salivating over him, it was because of his twenty eighteen season and probably 2017 to be fair, but he led the league in disposals in 2018 and averaged 35 a game. Uh, He was averaging 16 contested possessions and eight clearances a game. He won the AFL MVP Players Association Award included in the All-Australian team and won his first Brownlow medal. But, It was the fantasy footy numbers that caught us by not surprise, but by absolute joy during the 2018 season. He was dominant in dream team and fantasy played every game had just the one score below 80 and an average of 129. It consisted of 17 tons. 15 of those hundreds were over 120 and a ridiculous 10 over 140. It included a PB score for him from a match against GWS, 15 possessions, 13 tackles, and a career-best 195. He he can football.
0: Just a little bit. But this is the intriguing thing. So we've gone 18 months pretty much, like 12 months on, and then by the time he gets out on the field, it's going to be the better part of, what, 15, 16 months? Yep. So is that enough time for him to find his feet again and find that form again? So that's where the question marks are going to come, isn't
1: it? It certainly is, because that season, you know, again, purely from an AFL fantasy and dream team perspective, as a reference point, only Dane Swan and Tom Mitchell have had any... Se- uh, Tom Rockliffe, sorry, should I say, have had better averaging seasons. Swanee's 2012 year was an average of 133. Rocky's 2014 was an average of 134. In Supercoach that year, Um, he was huge. Again, just the one score under 80. Uh, 18 tons in that year 14 over 120 9 over 140 and it was very very similar to in the 2017 um season uh, 2018 season was reflected in 2017 uh, 20 tons in his super coach season that year uh, similar enough in dream team averages that were just absolutely extraordinary it was 127 in dream team and fantasy 119 in super coach Look, really, we could go on and on about it, but ever since he joined the Hawks, he's had a massive, massive scoring. 37 tons in Dream Team and Fantasy, that's 83% of games, and 86% of games in Supercoach, 38 tons. We could go all day on the podcast about how good he is, but let's be honest, there is some big question marks that need to be addressed. Okay,
0: so the first thing's first. Let's let's look at Supercoach straight away, okay? Now, I reckon in Supercoach, he's outpriced. Mm. So I think his price at the moment is at the top, top of the midfielders, pretty much. So you've got Fife, which is about 20000 more, Crips, Crips is about the same price,
1: isn't he? Uh, they're so, almost comparable, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so let's say right now, if you have any doubt, Supercoach is the one where you rule him out. Is that fair to say?
1: Well, he, he's the ninth most expensive player in the game. So so you can actually bide your time and
0: see how he finds his feet and everything else and then almost use him as a first upgrade considering he's got the round 14 sure. So, So, I mean, that's probably a nice, easy way to look at it when you're looking at it from a super coach perspective. So w- let's move forward, though, into the midfielders in the, what was it called? Dream team. That's yeah. the one. So, Dream Team, he's around the 21st. So, if you have a look, he's pretty much the same price around the same price as Cogs.
1: Yeah, he's around Cogs, so, Cogs Pendlebury, Crips, Yo, all around that same amount. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so right there, I think, represents massive value, does it not? So, Huge. So, we're looking at low 100s, like let's just say about 102, 103 mark mm-hmm. on average, he's priced at. And we know he was averaging 105, 110 with bad rolls when he was at Sydney, wasn't Correct. he? yeah. So so I don't see any any risk at all starting him besides the fact of the legs. So, but he won't be playing round one if his legs are not right. Of course he won't. So if he plays round one and he plays a pre-season game, I think it's safe to assume you can almost pick him and he does represent risk but he represents massive massive value correct
1: mm, no doubt
0: so i mean whilst he represents a little bit of risk he represents massive value anyway i'm sure you people are used to me tripping over <laughs> so then we move to afl fantasy so they're the limited trade format so that's sort of where i'm leaning at the moment and that's where i think most people will probably go at well it's going to be a decision around that mark, isn't it? And we saw Clayton Oliver a few weeks ago, wasn't yep. it? Oh, a few, well, it was probably a week ago now. So Clayton Oliver's entering his fifth season, sixth season pretty much. Mm. He's only 22, 23. And he's already averaging, what, mid-105 to 110?
1: Yeah, pretty constantly. Across
0: the formats, if not a little bit more here and there. Yep. So that's where you go, well, there's massive growth of improvement there. Mm. His age, his the fact that Melbourne was awful last year and so on and so forth, there should be a little bit more support around the wings yep. and so on with Ed Langdon, Adam, Adam Tomlinson, Harley Bunnell's there. If, if he if he actually gets on the field, yep. he's going to be a nice handy acquisition there. So you can actually start going, well, Clayton Oliver represents that. But at, on the flip side, Tom Mitchell is pretty much the same, I would have thought at around about the same price mark. So, I would have thought in super um, sports, what is it? Sports dream deck, green team. team, and also AFL fantasy around those ballpark means that you're not really, really risking much. So he really represents. It's it's a decision between uh, Lockie Neal, uh, and Oliver, uh, Nat Fife. I'm probably naming the majority of your top fifty right now. <laughs> the thing or is though, yeah, Tom Mitchell, correct. But Tom Mitchell's got a better buy, and he's actually got a dream run to start the year. So Brisbane, Frio, Collingwood, Geelong, Carlton, West Coast, you know, the list goes on and on. But there's a big thing, isn't there, MJ? So Jager O'Meara is the big one, a fit Jager O'Meara in that team. Who do you send a target to?
1: Yeah, correct. You've also got a James Warple who developed nicely in there. Again, I don't think it's going to be a drastic um, impact to his scoring that we've seen. But again, you, do you shut down arguably the more damaging O'Meara? We know Tom Mitchell is a damaging player. Omira probably a little bit more on the outside there. That's going to be the fascinating dilemma for fantasy coaches and really for opposition coaches in the AFL
0: hundred percent so that's the big difference now so So I'm actually leaning towards starting him. What are you going to
1: do? Yeah, look, I I think it's super coach right now. I don't think there's as much value as I'd like in the selection. So I feel like, even though um, you know, often with guys coming back from big injuries, you want to wait your time. I'm really comfortable with that with him in AFL fantasy. He's one hundred thousand cheaper than Clayton Oliver uh, as as a reference point. Like he's priced under a hundred in that format. So it's what six hundred and seventy-one thousand, I think he is in AFL fantasy. If he's named round one. His and the fact you get two trades a week, and his ownership um, already right. in that format is so high. The risk of starting him and getting it wrong, whatever that even means, it's non existent. He's in over 50% of teams there. It just you move on quickly if it's wrong. Dream team again, there's value in that selection. What I really am intrigued about. Um, is the fact he is seemingly uh, on the comeback. Sam Mitchell's um, the former champ of the club and now coach or assistant coach at the team has said that he's looking sharp and the plan is to play him through the preseason games and have him ready for round one. So at very least, he's on your watch list to see how it is. But something that's fascinating for me, Rids, and there's not copious huge amounts of data, is when you look at players coming back from severe broken legs what kind of impact is there on their scores? I've only got four or five players to really look at because, again, we're just looking for a sample size for a conversation. But, you know, go back to 2005, Richmond superstar Nathan Brown. He was dominating that year, 101 in AFL Fantasy, 121 in Supercoach. Breaks his leg the following year. He averages just 60 in AFL Fantasy and 65 in Supercoach. Yep. A factor in this is role, absolutely. But it's a pretty decent regression. Similar with Barlow. The, on his debut year, he was going at just shy of 120, 110 in fantasy, 116 in supercoach, breaks his leg. The following year, averages just 85 in fantasy, 83 in supercoach. It's similar regressions, maybe not as drastic, but Robbie Gray, Mitch Wallace, even Michael Voss, all from pretty severe broken legs, Nat, nat Fife is another, all have some level of regression Uh, so are you forecasting much of a regression for Tom Mitchell or at that price point in at least a couple of formats it doesn't really matter if he does have some
0: yeah so I mean it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to predict because yeah. on the flip side okay, car, you've got the Chris Newmans of the world, you know, from Richmond where they come back from a broken leg and they start averaging 80 yeah. the year after. And that's as bad a broken leg as you can get, the Chris Newman one. So, so yeah, look, I mean, I just, with the kilometres they do in their legs, there's always going to be that impact with the soreness. So that's why, so I'm, I sort of didn't mention AFL Fantasy before because I'm with you. I think it's a no-brainer start yeah. in AFL Fantasy because of the price margins. So, but, yeah, uh, I just don't know. I just...
1: It's a, it's such a difficult one. And I think that's why in the more limited trades formats of the game, you've got to be really calculated in seeing what he delivers for us in these Marsh preseason games. Hawthorne aren't going to risk him. Um, he's too vital to their long-term success um, just to try to get a couple of early games into him throughout the year. And so yeah, but for having
0: me- said that, MJ, I reckon, though, that if he does play all the preseason games, That's a good he's sign. more likely to pull up sore as well. Yes. So there is that chance. And, um, who was it a couple of years ago after an ACL? Uh, was it Walker or someone like that who came back from an ACL? and came back into it the year after and played all the preseason games, looked like he was going to dominate, and then then spent the first four weeks off because he had a bit of lingering pain in his legs. Yeah. So so I'm a bit of flip side. I would like to see him only play one game, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Rather than all the games.
1: Yeah, no, I I hear that point too. And what what I think, and something you mentioned earlier in the episode, is we don't need to see him... Uh, for however long he plays, we don't need to see him as an inside ball dominating the midfield because, again, at his price point in Dream Team, maybe more of a concern in Supercoach. We saw at Sydney where he was only getting a handful of center bounce attendances per game. He was perfectly capable of tunning up as an average no problem. So, um, yeah, I, I'm okay if they look to ease him into it a little bit. Um, my question is, Rids, is where... In in that format of dream team and super coach, if you choose to go against him for whatever reason. You know, and there's many you can choose to do that, and because again in AFL fantasy, I think if he's named round one, you just have to pick him. In those formats though, is there an ownership concern in terms of percentage where the risk becomes too great to go against him?
0: Well, I would normally say yes, but I think in this case because there's so many guys that go 105 to 115 in the formats in the midfield there's just so many options like it's not like a Doherty where where he's if on his day he's probably the best average in defender in the league in yeah. every format yeah you know what i mean yeah. like i understand tom mitchell's probably 10 12 15% at his best best like better, point, than, anyone. better than anyone else but the fact of the matter is he's not at his best to start this year. Yeah, I don't care what anyone says. He's not going to be at his best to start the season. That's why I sort of figure I'm actually going to look at the percentage this time and go against it. Right. So if he's 50% or better ownership, I might take a risk and not go in. If he's less than 50%, I might go the other way. Yeah. So he really is a toss of the coin because, it's just hard to say unless you're there talking to him and watching him train and everything else. Yeah, it's just difficult, isn't it?
1: He's he's going to be one of those players that um, can be re- will really determine a lot of seasons this year for better or for worse, and he is going to be. And the reason he doesn't make the top ten for me is because there are question marks a- around him, no doubt. What regression does he have, if any? That's an interesting point. Is there still value on that starting point? Or is he just going to be, and just as a, you know, a bit of a critique, but only a 105-110 guy through the midfield, which is still very good, but is that enough for us given what we're paying for and the associated risks connected to it? One thing I do want to bring up before we wrap up the episode and talk about where he goes in drafts, which is even more intriguing for me, is when you look through the back half of the year, um, and again, who chooses to tag either O'Meara or Mitchell will be fascinating, but after the multi-buy rounds uh, for Hawthorne coming off round 14, where he does have some big premiums he shares along the sides of the Bulldogs pair uh, of McRae and Dunkley is also... A number of GWS midfielders so you can only start so many of them but in round uh, 17 they come up against the Kangaroos presuming Ben Jacobs is fit and Reece Shaw wants to use a tagger he could be coming there and then the following week Matt DeBoer chases after him so look it's probably more a, a unknown quantity at this stage but certainly something to factor in if he's a post buy upgrade target for you 100%
0: agree so so, yeah, he's an
1: intriguing topic. Like, I mean, we're
0: we going to chat a lot more about him through the weekly podcasts, obviously, when we start it going. Mm. But, I mean, this guy's probably the most relevant question of the year, isn't it, really? To start or not to start, Tom Mitchell. So I'm sure we're going to be discussing this in spades later.
1: Yeah, no, we certainly will. And we will uh, make sure we bring you all in on that conversation. Love to get your thoughts on where he goes in drafts. Wow, that could be interesting because let's be honest, Rids, you find yourself there on draft day, you've done your preparation work and you're saying, I'm not taking Tom Mitchell in in my first couple of picks, I'm not taking him in my first couple of picks because there's risks, but you get to him on draft day and you see Tom Mitchell available to you, you'll just have that half thought of, he could be better than anybody else I pick here. He could be better. So the, we, I'll see some drafts, I guarantee, where he goes in the first round. I think that's too early. But there will be coaches that just don't factor in the broken leg, don't factor in how he comes back, what role he may play as he builds some fitness and confidence through the leg. So there'll be coaches that just see him round one and pick him. Where are you thinking? Are you thinking the second round you're comfortable to get him or would you wait a bit longer? Look, I, I don't think I'd get him. Yeah. Because
0: I just don't like... I just, I'm just i one of those picky guys in a seasonal draft where I do not pick the guy who's missed the previous season. Yeah. I pretty much put a line through them. So I wouldn't pick him. Having said that, I can understand anyone picking him from around 10 to 18. Yeah,
1: that's second round on the rap selection. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah so... I don't want any bar of him in the first. And, and look, to be honest... If I had a late second pick, I'd find it hard to pass on him, um, for sure. I think, I think if
0: I had the turn picks, like, just say if there's 12, league, yep. 12 teams in your league, and I had picked 12 and he was there, I think I'd be able to go, like, I'd be very comfortable going, to say, Mitchell-Oliver combo around yeah. that mark. Yeah. You know, around, like, just as a hypothetical, like, I think I'd be able to tag them and handcuff them together so that way, then at least I'd have someone else who's been playing, you know, and should be on that rise as well.
1: Yeah. Would you be comfortable to tag, you know, again, assuming it's a second round pick, would you be comfortable having his, him as an M1 if you've gone into another line? Or is it really, yes, you, you want to really mitigate any risk by making him your number two midfielder? So
0: I think there's much more interesting conversations around the young guys coming through, like the Tarantos and stuff. Yeah. So it really does depend on who's floating around at that point in time. Sure. So like you know I love Josh Kelly, you yes. know I love Tim Taranto, yes. you know this. And you know I'm a Trelaw man yes. and a Dunklin man. But they're the sort of guys that, if they're there, I'm always picking, Like no matter what. I'll pick them over Mitchell every day of the week in this current situation. But if I could see a group of four or five of them floating around and I knew my pick was coming up and, say, Mm. a pick coming up in the next 10 and I was comfortable with it, I'd probably jump on him and try and land one of the other guys afterwards. So... I think he could. He, he obviously can be an M1. Of course he could. Obviously. Yeah, could. No question. Is he going to be? Well, it's going to be touch and go. But he's going to average enough. Is he going to play enough games is my question. And Al Clarkson will rest him, no doubt, will rest him through the through the
1: season. If he pulls up any saunas. There's so-ness. no doubt about
0: that. Yeah. Well, it doesn't even matter if he does. I think when he gets to a certain point in the season, he's going to have a rest. So it's going to be very, very intriguing to see how it works. And with the rolling lockouts, how many people that start with him?
1: Mm.
0: And let's be honest, MJ, he only needs 130 in the preseason and every man (laughs) and his dog are going to start with him. Absolutely. Oh, you've watched them. They're rolling from the... like They'll be coming in everywhere.
1: Yeah, no question.
0: he is going to miss games through the season. There's no doubt about it. 100% guarantee that for you, all right. Radio. It's whether it's going to be from soreness, another injury. Like, you know, how many times do we see these guys, you know, have a year off and go through all this preseason then do a hamstring or, you know, do a soft tissue in the calf? I'm not wishing anything no, on of any of them. Not. But we see it all the time. This guy will have a game off here and there because Clarkson's renowned
1: for it. He certainly is. So, yeah,
0: I'm just, I think I've just talked myself out of starting him outside of AFL fantasy, to yeah. be honest.
1: Yeah, it's one of those guys, the more time you spend talking, looking at him, you could talk yourself in and out of Tom Mott tom mitchell and then do it again it is going to be one of the biggest decisions you face in the limited trade formats of the game to start or not to start afl fantasy an absolute lay down is there. yep just pick him rids mate appreciate your thoughts today on tom mitchell so we're going to have the top 10 after today, mate. Yes, the top 10 is out. Uh not far away, patrons already have got access to who's at number 10. And and this is what I'll tell you. While well, you you probably started to go, oh, I reckon he's here, he's here, he's here, and you're probably right. I can guarantee you this. There is one player in the top 10 you won't pick. Just mm. at least one. You think you figured it all out. You think no, it's not Aiden Bonner. He was the other day. No, there's one player you've not thought about. I guarantee you, but he is arguably one of the top handful of most relevant players this season. Is he tomorrow? I'll have a guess,
0: mate. Can I have a guess? Oh, is it Dave Asprey?
1: We'll see you tomorrow, everyone.